0: I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 51. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. I want to share with you a new series I'm doing called the CEO Series, where I'm interviewing the CEOs of all the major brokerage houses. There's two goals with this. The first goal is to find out who these people are, what makes them tick, and how they ended up leading a national brokerage. The second goal is to find out where their company's headed and... What makes a brokerage unique? Basically, why should someone choose their company in light of all the options that are available? I'm excited to share these interviews with you. Hopefully, you're going to get some awesome stuff from them, and you can find them all at ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash CEO. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Mark Kirzner. He's a president of TMG. He's been a president for the past five years. They have 800 agents nationally, and I am absolutely stoked for this interview today. Mark, you ready to rock? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me this morning, Scott. Awesome. So I always like to ask a little bit about you personally. So can you just tell us about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business?
1: Yeah, sure. Um well I mean personally, um I I'd consider myself a family man. I've married for almost nineteen years, three kids, um, two girls and a boy. I, I consider myself a, a sports junkie and a hockey fanatic. I, I often apologize for being a Leafs fan, but I was I was born that way. I have no choice. I've got nothing to show for it right now, but uh you know, they made some ch- uh, changes yesterday with the head coach, so we'll see what the future brings there. And-
0: you know, one of my, fr- one of my friends is a, a Leafs fan, and so I always give him a hard time. Do you, what, you know, what, what does a Leafs fan do when his team wins the cup? I'm not sure I'll ever know, but what do they do? They turn off their Xbox and go to bed. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, I play that with my son, so uh, I I can relate. No doubt about that. (laughs) So how did you get into the mortgage biz? So what, like what most nobody started out, you didn't start out probably saying, hey, I want to be a president of a national mortgage brokerage with 800 agents. And So what was your path to get there?
1: Yeah, well... You know, I, I I have an eclectic background, probably like so many of uh, so many people in our in our industry, and so many people we've talked to. When I graduated from undergrad, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I had f- I, I probably what I would call work ADD. I had five jobs in four years. I would kind of do whatever I could to earn a couple of bucks. Uh, then I went back and I I became uh, trained as a high school history and special ed teacher. Um, there were 14,000 unemployed teachers in the province of Ontario when I graduated from that. I just, not the type of person to sit around and wait for something to happen. I told you I was a sports junkie. I actually started up a sports poster publishing and distribution company with a buddy of mine. It still exists today, which is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got a real estate license and sold real estate for a few years here in Toronto. So, At some point, I decided I I needed to kind of find myself from a business sense. I went back, did an MBA at U of T, met a guy named Brendan Calder at a cocktail reception. Uh, The bank was told to go out and find some MBAs, and I had no interest in working for a bank, but the two of us kind of met, hit it off, and then the mortgage career started at that point. So it took me a long time to kind of find myself. When I got into a mortgage business, I really, I loved it. Uh, And then, you know, careers progressed, I worked at CABC for a number of years, moved to Paradigm, worked there for a number of years uh, in an executive role. And my heart was always at the front end of the business. I love the broker business, I mean, being at first line, if you don't love the broker business, you're definitely in the wrong Mm. business. But I missed the front end of it when I was in the ops uh, side of the business. And, uh, you know, an opportunity came up uh, to work with uh, Grant and Debbie. And uh, TMG was at a place where they were essentially had to decide what they wanted to do with the organization. Did they want to kind of remain a Western-focused firm or did they want to grow it? And, and, uh, you know, it was a great, great meeting and relationship at that time.
0: Right. Yeah, no, that, that, that's awesome. And it's interesting, so you were going to be a history teacher, and now and then through a various other career path choices, you ended up uh, in the broker business.
1: Yeah, I, well, I was trained as a history teacher, worked in a couple of schools here in Toronto, and uh, uh, had my teaching degree, but uh, it didn't work out. And, you know, sometimes one path closes, a new path opens. It sounds cliche, but that's pretty much exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Just got to keep moving. So before, Absolutely. before we dive more into your
0: story, I always like to ask about a success quote because I, I personally love quotes. I love how they're portable and they're memorable. You can take them with you. So can you share a quote that's really had an impact on your life or business?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, there's two. They're, they're both short and sweet, but they're not from books. They're from kind of my life, my experience. One was from actually Brennan Calder himself. Uh, and he used to say, you either grow or you rot. And that's always stuck with me. The other one is uh, I worked briefly uh, at Microsoft during my work ADD period, and uh, they used to talk about flawless execution, and that is kind of stuck in my head as well for all these years. Right. So of
0: those two quotes, like let's maybe the flawless execution. So how have you applied that recently to anything that you're working on at TMG?
1: Yeah, well, on the flawless execution side, what I, what I would say is, you know, there's tons of great ideas. We all have great ideas, but people don't usually buy an idea. They buy an ability to deliver, to execute, and get results. So focus on execution in our business, whether it's TMG or in anyone's individual business, is, is paramount. So what we do at TMG is we test All of our business investments, and we have a big back end and do a lot of training and a lot of education, Uh, we come up with innovative products and programs, whether it's leasing or this or that or whatever else, but we always test those uh, investments against the notion of whether or not we're enhancing the client experience. Are we making the broker's life easier? Are we providing them with better access, better information, better knowledge? Uh, And are we empowering them with, with respect to the customer? Right.
0: And so can you get maybe I'm just going to ask one more question on that. So can you give me an example yeah. of something that you've recently launched that uh, went through this testing process? You know, the initial testing, is it working? And then, um, yeah, can you share something that's you've actually you're excited about that's been working?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's probably the least sexy of all topics. But one of the things that, that we've introduced over the last year is a really incredible payroll and reporting system. So uh, on the reporting system side, a broker is able to track uh, their expenses. They're almost like you would look at a visa statement. You could sort it by category. You could sort it by month. You could sort it by type of expense. You could track it back to a deal. They can also review their source of business, their lender distribution, so they've got a dashboard in front of them, which isn't necessarily you know, the dashboard that we think about when we talk about how many deals did you submit, how many approvals did you get, how many funded deals do you have. We have the ability to track really how they manage their business and how they see the business. Where's the business going? What type of business is it? Is it first time home buyer business, renewal business? Is it first mortgages, second mortgages, commercial mortgages? So that's something that we're really, really, really proud of. Right. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And
0: definitely in, in our business, the payroll, I know for me being a, a franchise owner, independent, is that the pay, having payroll that's easy to understand and make sense is, a, is always a, a big thing for me.
1: You know, Scott, like sometimes we learn at the experience too. When I think about the payroll, one of the things that resonated best with our people in our payroll system is we actually send a notification to our agents as soon as we've received the funds. So we have an an electronic notification system that sends the agent a note saying, you know, Scott, we've received $1,752 on MGRP, blah, 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 blah. Please make sure your file's compliant. And uh, to have that notification, knowing that we've received payroll, and then it's very predictive. They know as long as the file's compliant, we review the compliance, that they're going to be paid automatically on such and such a date. And that keeping them in the loop has really been a valuable tool for us.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. And yeah. I'm going to switch gears to, to talk about maybe this sounds like something that's a success for you, but I want to ask about failure. I know that for me as a business owner entrepreneur, I've definitely failed that stuff. But looking back, there's always a lesson and there's always a, I can learn something from it. So can you share something that you failed at in business and what you learned from it? And it doesn't have to be necessarily a TMG failure, but just a, a business failure in general.
1: Um, I guess this is a question everyone loves to eat. To be asked the most. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's funny. One one of the things that uh, I guess is a failure when when I was at First Line. Uh, you know, I, my department was sales and marketing, but we did a lot of product development also. And I remember that we were once looking. Demo had this product, which was an eighteen year term, and we decided we wanted to be innovative in the broker channel. And uh, there was a lot of pressure, I can tell you, at first line, to continue to be innovative because our predecessors were, were seen as very, very innovative. I joined uh, right at the beginning of 2001, and uh, you know there was this notion, let's come out with a long-term mortgage. It was, uh, the idea was it's the only mortgage you'll ever need. So if you do accelerated payments, then you could pay it down in 18 years, but we could do a term as high as 25 years. I used to sit in at the ALCO meetings, which was the asset liability committee meetings for CABC mortgages at the time. And we had to bring a business case and the business case would have said, this is how much business we're going to do. This is how much volume we're going to generate. And I can tell you that we never met our sales targets on, on that product. Never, never came close to meeting our sales targets. And when we had to do a new product, we had to have it on side and marketing and it it took a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. Um, but the interesting thing that I learned is um, a friend of mine who was uh, one of our top brokers at the time, John Parker, is actually in D.C.
0: Mm-hmm. I know and, John.
1: Uh, <laughs> he used to have a storefront, and I remember going out and visiting him once, and he was advertising the 18-25 year term. And If I recall correctly, he was probably one of our top brokers on our designer arm and the Matrix Mortgage product. And I was like, why are you out here you know, marketing this? And he would say... This is a conversation starter with people that no one else has. The banks, other than BMO, no one's offering this term. So people are stopping. They're looking at his window. He's got something different. He's got something unique. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of my first realizations that the purpose, obviously, of introducing a new product was to generate volume. But the outcome was we created a lot of goodwill with our brokers at the time. We were seen as innovative. And we allowed them to have a conversation, present something unique with their clients that they really otherwise wouldn't
0: have had. Right. No, that's cool. I Actually, I've often thought, you know, the, one of the things about the U.S. system that I really admire, the U.S. mortgage system, is that they do have those 15 and 25-year mortgages, and the rates tend to be pretty good. So I, I, I often, I wish we had something like that here, but it's not, I guess the, so from, from you come from, come from a lending background. How come we don't have longer terms? Is it just not, we can't price it in a way that's competitive, or, or is there's no interest, or what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think it's just interest rate sensitivity. I mean, look at our market right now. Every other question is about buy-downs. And we're talking about an interest rate environment when 289 isn't good enough, so we've got to buy it down to 284 or 282. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if we're introducing a term that's going to be longer on the yield curve than the ten year, and if the ten year—I honestly, Scott, don't even know what the ten year is at now. Say four nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, if we're going to introduce a product that's four fifty nine, is we're in an environment where five basis points seems to be so important on on the lower end of the curve at five years. How how is a consumer going to respond there? So. You know, I think the other thing is in the U.S., they don't have the same penalties that we have, uh, so they're able to refinance uh, without the same penalties. They do it with fees, but uh, um, they've got the interest uh, deductibility on their mortgage payments, so they're not as interest rate sensitive, I don't think, as we are because they've Mm -hmm. got the write-off of some of the portion. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. If someone had peace of mind security for all that time, At a price that was equal to or lower than the benchmark rate, where you're qualifying clients now for four year terms, Mm -hmm. um, maybe it would be a good option for some people.
0: Yeah, who knows? Anyway, I digress. It was just something because you have a background and I thought I'd ask you. And since it sounds like you were the creator or one of the creators of the 25 year mortgage at First Line, so. It was definitely a team effort, there's no doubt about that. So I like to ask about um, the early days of so TMG's been around for twenty years, and so where did the idea for TMG come from, and then at what point did you enter into the process?
1: Yeah, so you know TMG. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm I'm so proud that this is our twenty fifth anniversary year coming up. TMG started in nineteen ninety. Uh, really, it was started by a serial entrepreneur, Grant Thomas and and Debbie Thomas. Um, Debbie Debbie was a teacher uh, beforehand, and she's been our broker of record in B.C. for probably 23 of the last 25 years. Um, They initially started as the Equity Center, and I think they had four franchises in B.C. And I don't know if you recall, Scott, but Equity Center was the precursor to Mortgage Center Canada.
0: Mm -hmm. I I didn't know that.
1: Well, uh, and it, it was, and, and and Grant would have had a conversation at the time with a gentleman named named Dave Chapman, who started the Equity Center and had some interesting technology. And Dave Chapman then went on to become one of the, the executives and and founders, uh, I believe, at uh, at Phylogics. But they they had an interesting technology at the time, and and um, I, I they they took on a number of these franchises in BC. And while they were probably attracted to technology and, and Grant, as I said, is kind of a serial entrepreneur, um, they quickly, I guess, became attuned and kind of fell for the brokerage business. It's, you know, it, it's a business where a lot of people tend to really find a fit. They become passionate for it, committed for it, um, and they really found a great home with it. So they became really, I guess, in and attuned. For the broker business, they parted ways uh, with uh with the equity center mortgage center franchise and and started uh, t m g up uh, you know a number of years after that t m g was really strong i guess in Western Canada for a number of years and it's grown very kind of steady slow methodically over the years, uh, bringing in business partners in regions to help lead those regions and that growth over time so first. It would have moved to the Prairies, then back to Alberta, then to uh, Ontario, and eventually over to Atlantic. Mm-hmm. Um, when I joined uh, TMG, uh, in the, I guess it was the fall of 2009, uh, TMG was really just starting to move uh, into into Eastern Canada, Ontario, and Atlantic. And I'm out of Toronto, our head office is out of Vancouver, and uh, it's been a really great fit since that time. So
0: I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know if it's... a. You've been there for five years. So can you share... What's one mistake you think that your brokerage has, TMG has made in the past? So if you want to be fair, you can in the last five years or... Oh yeah, just in general, what do you think? Something that you guys have maybe made a misstep on?
1: I have no doubt over 25 years that we've made our share of mistakes. Um, we learn from mistakes all the time. Uh, I think one mistake that we're guilty of, but I think that it's actually systemic in the industry and whether we talk more about it, you know, or not is is fine, but is there's been a, a, a great margin erosion in our business over the last 10 years. Um, and um, what I'm talking about is on the brokerage side of the business mm-hmm. and uh, the erosion of margins for the companies has really changed the focus of companies to really look for volume. Uh, because volume compensates in many respects for uh, loss of margins, and at TMG, it is really it's something that we bear in mind all the time. It's a balance between our desire to grow the business and making sure that we do it with quality and efficiency. And so, being part of that whole of that of the margin erosion over the last ten years has really changed the the face of our business now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely seems like the industry has changed a lot and it's become more competitive and more even on the broker side. But on the brokerage side, the commission's getting squeezed. And, and so it, how does a company like TMG or any of the other guys run their business model when everybody wants to, you know, pay and pay nothing, basically?
1: Well, it's exactly it. So, and we look at our business very much as a business. Um, and that's, you know, in many respects, we look at our business differently than what people would perceive a lot of our competitors to be. You know, we are a brokerage business. We make money uh, and earn revenue and earn incomes only when our brokers are successful. There's, there's, uh, that, that's how our revenue model is derived. So it creates great alignment with our brokers at the end of the day, and it allows us to go back to what we were talking about earlier, is making sure that the investments and the tools that we're creating for our brokers are really in tune with helping them manage and grow their business.
0: Right. So, with with the with all the sort of options that there's available, there's definitely like five or six kind of maybe major brokerages. So, what makes TMG in your mind? What are the couple of things that make it unique?
1: Well, it's, I mean, not not to to beat on a dead horse, but first and foremost, we're a brokerage. So, I know I know the common language out there is our competitors and their brokerages, but. What we are, what our business is, the way that we're set up is actually is our brokerage. We're licensed with the regulators. We handle payroll and compliance for our our brokers. Um, You know, we're not a network. We're not a franchise uh, company. We're a brokerage company. Um, And that does create really significant alignment between us and our brokers and our desire to see them grow their business. The other thing, you know... I guess this is kind of my favorite question because I'm so proud of what TMG is. It's rare in our industry that you'd have a company that's been around for 25 years that's got the strength and stability of that longevity, who combines itself with innovation and entrepreneurship. Um, Scott, every year we do an internal broker survey. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite comments I remember reading back on the, on the broker survey was one of our brokers says, um, attending a TMG event is like going to a family re- reunion, but only when your cool cousins show up.
0: That's awesome.
1: We talked about, you know, TMG's culture and caring. Uh, I love it when we have our Christmas parties and we're celebrating 10, 15. We had three 20-year anniversaries this year uh, at our BC Christmas party. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the culture here is is supportive. It's aligned from training and our HD green screen broadcast studios to our rewards and recognition programs and trips that we still run. I could go on forever. The people are are beyond phenomenal. I I think I have the best leadership team that I've ever had with any company, the best leadership team in the industry. And I guess a cool thing for us is when the industry recognizes us, Four out of the five Camp Awards of Excellence winners this year were from TMG. Uh-huh. We're the only brokerage in the last seven years to win the Employer of Choice Award at the CMP Awards. Uh-huh. We were the number two ranked financial services company for uh, the uh, it was is uh, an employment award in BC uh, the year before last. So it's. It's cool to be recognized by the industry for that stuff as well.
0: Right. That's awesome. So maybe can you share an example, without using names, but of a recent person or company that kind of joined your joined TMG? Um, and maybe so what, they, what did they say? Why, what was their reasoning for joining you guys?
1: You know what? We've been really successful lately at, um, I'd say, recruiting a number of former bank sales force reps, mortgage sales force reps, which makes me really proud because then we're helping to grow our broker channel mm-hmm. as well. Um, and it also makes me proud because what we 'll hear from them is often that uh, TMG the culture of TMG the company reminds me of what it used to be like here uh-huh. and that that to me is a great compliment uh, the rewards and recognition, the training and support, uh, the reliability uh, the underwriting support be be uh, business and alternative lending and or whatever it happens to be, um, but they love. Our lender access. Um, the lender access that we have uh, and the way we, we actually think about our, our lender relationships, the fact I come from a lending background and so many people within our company have come from that lending background. We, we almost think of our lenders as our, as our customers. And when you think about what a customer is, they're the person who pays you. Mm-hmm. And so I think as an industry, if we all think of our lenders as, as our customers at the end of the day, they give us our product and they pay us. Uh, maybe they're not customer 1A, but they're pretty close 1B. And as a result, it's led us to have great, great lender relationships, which results in access, lender support. Our efficiencies uh, are higher than average in the marketplace. Uh, we're a very analytical company, so we'll look at our portfolio uh, performance wherever we can, wherever we have access to information. Um they like our supportive culture. They like the training programs that they have. They like the fact we're a brokerage, that our business is is running a brokerage at the end of the day, which means that they don't have to worry about the administrative and regulatory aspects of the business. But they can focus on the sales and the customer aspects of growing their business. Mm-hmm. And I guess the kind of the last thing that I hear is they like when they call our references, and we're happy for them to call any lender, any supplier, uh, and there's a great alumni of T&G folks in the industry where, for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. I have no issue if they call those people as well. But it's kind of cool when the references align with what we've told them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of people out there in the, in the industry in Canada, whether they're with us or not, uh, who have a lot of great things to say about uh, what we're about and what
0: we do. Right, that's awesome. And so I'm just going to switch gears and talk about the future for a little bit. So where where's the opportunity for the big brokerage houses in the next couple of years?
1: Well, I still, I absolutely believe that there's huge opportunity. Um, and for a couple of reasons. Number one, for the longest time, the broker value proposition was predicated on getting a lower rate. And when I was at First Line and we had the Basis Points program and banks were using published rates with discretionary pricing and cashbacks and all kinds of stuff, brokers had a rate advantage compared to the branches, compared to the mortgage sales force reps. Um, A lot of that rate advantage has either disappeared or is disappearing. To me, the number one value proposition that a broker has today is choice. Uh, the fact that we can shop the market, the fact that we have access, the fact that we can direct a consumer who has unique needs to a lender who has unique products. So a large brokerage has more choice and has better access. Uh, A large brokerage usually has support, has deal support, training support, which allows our brokers to facilitate those deals more effectively with their clients.
0: Right, yeah, no.
1: um, and the other thing i'll I'll tell you is the more regulatory changes, the better it is, I think, in some respects, for our business, um because consumers are reading headlines and they're getting confused, and who would you rather speak to? Uh, you'd rather speak to an educated broker at the end of the day than to speak to a generalist, and I think that as a brokers position themselves as those professionals. Uh, they will. They will get. They'll. They'll get more and more of that business.
0: hmm So, what do you see as the biggest risk to the brokerage business in the next couple of years?
1: Um. Well, going back to I guess what we started with, uh, or what we talked about earlier, one is if we continue to marginalize our value. That's probably the biggest risk. Uh, companies this could happen with companies uh, in the form of additional margin erosion there has to be money for the house to be able to reinvest back in the business and that's the case for us as a national full service mortgage brokerage or yourself as a franchise owner there has to be money to invest back in the business in order to provide support mentoring or whatever oversight for for the brokers the same would, would hold true, though, Scott, for the individual brokers if they marginalize their value just for the sake of growing their business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had the, the pleasure or privilege, whatever you want to call it, at camp of spending time with a bunch of the Australians, and we've talked about the Aussie model here for some time, but one of the things that was really an eye-opener for me is that they're now over 50% of the market share, and they never really discuss rates. And, and I had a hard time understanding that, but rate isn't an issue. It's not part of their discussion. And when rate is part of the discussion here and it relates to buy-downs, and you're talking about 20 basis points commission for 5 points of yield or 10 for 40, you know, that's potentially half of the buyer's fee that we're willing to buy down the rates for, um, for 10 points of, uh, for 10 points of yield. To me, that's a risk to to our business model as well. Mm-hmm. F- for sure. And in the last, sorry, I I I can easily go down tangents. So cut me off. No, no, yeah. What
0: else? Just to finish what you're going to say. What was the other thing you were thinking? The last
1: is- one is, and it's I guess it's a pet peeve of mine is uh, I like social media. I like reading the blogs and going online and going at Canadian mortgage trends and mortgage broker news and your site and seeing what people have to say. I guess one of the things, my pet peeve is the bickering amongst us, amongst one another in public forums. I'm a huge fan of debating issues and having discussions about the issues. But our clients are going on these sites, and they're reading it. And and I'm worried about the lack of professionalism that's displayed when we're bickering with one another in, in all these public forums. I just think it makes us look bad in the eyes of- of our clients.
0: It's kind of like fighting in front of your kids, you know, you're not so, <laughs> in, in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, you should have, if you're going to have a dis- discussion with your wife, it shouldn't be in front of your kids because your kids are like, oh my goodness, you know, and so maybe sometimes these public forums are not the place to have those discussions, especially when people hide behind an anonymous uh, name, right? They don't even display their name. So it's really easy to be nasty in a lot of ways.
1: And, and my question is for, for what purpose? Like just to call someone out, pick up the phone and call them out, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, it's you're right. It's it's the parent example is a great one. But, uh, yeah, it's okay. just one of my pet peeves, and I think it's bad for our, for our industry. Right.
0: Okay. So here's my final question. So what's your hag for your company in the next five years? With your big hairy audacious goal, where do you want to see TMG?
1: Uh, I guess like all my other answers, I got more than one answer. For TMG, we're going to double our size again. We've doubled our size in the last five years. We're going to double our size again. There's just no, no question about that. In addition, uh, TMG has taken on um, a tremendous philanthropic uh, initiative of working with the Breakfast Clubs of Canada. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of interviewing Daniel Germain, who is the present founder of Breakfast Clubs. Uh, our people have done tremendous work with them. Uh, we we actually spent uh, we have a TMG day in the schools where we 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 work to help give out breakfast to to, to students across Canada. It, it really is maybe as a former teacher myself and and for Debbie, you know, to know that there's one in seven kids in our country, the greatest country in the world, who go to school hungry is mind blowing. So for us to have an impact there. Uh, Our goal is to continue to increase uh, our uh, fundraising by 50% every year. So that'll be a tremendous amount over the next five years. And I guess the third thing, you know, something the industry stopped talking about, Scott, is uh, where broker market share is going. And, you know, one thing I'd love to do is kind of reignite that conversation a BHAG for the industry, TMG will benefit from it because we'll get our share of it and we'll be a player in that. But I really think we need to talk about how do we get to 50% market share. And for me, that that was reignited when I had the conversations with the Aussies who are at 51% now. Um, let's figure out what we need to do to get to 50% market share. Let's work together where we have to to make sure that consumers know that the Choice is is paramount for, for for their benefit. Even if they don't use a broker, having choice in the broker channel means that they're likely to get a better deal from their bank. Right. So yeah, I'd no. love to see. If, I'd love to. I'd love to that topic of fifty percent broker market share. I,
0: I'm I'm with you there, man. That's part of the reason why I started this podcast is because I I feel like that all of the, any of the problems that we're having as brokers in our business, somebody's already solved them. The challenge is, is figuring out, okay, how do I find that solution when I need it? And and if we shared more, I think we would, there's plenty of business out there for all of us. And and ultimately the banks are our are, are competitor, not one another. And at least maybe if we had 70% market share, it'd be different, but we're, we're not. So um, right. anyway, I, I really appreciate your time today. Where can people find you online?
1: I'm pretty active on Twitter. So at Kersner, K-E-R-Z-N-E-R, they can find me there. Uh, they can find me uh, at LinkedIn and just type in Mark Kersner uh, and find me there. Uh, or they can email me, mark at or give me a shout, 416-645-7411.
0: Awesome. Well, Mark, I hope you rock the rest of your year and thanks so much for your time. Appreciate the
1: conversation very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Scott.
0: Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I love mortgage brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Have you joined our VIP club for mortgage brokers yet? If not, you're missing out. We share exclusive content not available on the web or the show. We share scripts, step-by-step guides, and other insider tips to help you save time and make you more money. I can't tell you how many times after I turn off the recorder, a guest starts sharing some awesome advice or a script or, or a tip. And I take the best of this and share it with my VIPs. If you want to get on the list, visit ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash VIP. That's ilovemortgagebrokingcom slash VIP. Oh, and one other thing. Since this is exclusive for mortgage brokers, there is a skill testing question. Good luck, and I hope you continue to rock your mortgage biz.